Welcome to the Skiff Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. I'm Alexandra Petri, and today I'm joined by Skift founder and CEO, Rafat Ali, and co-founder and head of content, Jason Clampett. Thank you, Alexandra. And we're glad to be back with season two of the Skift weekly podcast. We had a little bit of a break last year, and we wanted to start this year's series with a little bit of an opener show looking at the bigger trends in the travel industry. And next week, we'll be back with our usual podcast format of interviewing guests and various subjects. So we're excited to be back and looking forward to speaking with all of you again through the rest of the year. Earlier this week, we released our fourth annual Megatrends forecast. This one devoted to the conversations the industry will be having in 2016. This annual report dissects our analysis of the 15 big trends playing out in the global travel industry, from changing consumer habits to the big marketing changes happening to how consumer data are finally being used to understand the traveler. You can pick up a physical copy at events in the coming months where Skiff's experts are speaking or download a PDF version at skiff.com slash trend16. We want to thank our magazine sponsors, Denver International Airport, Meetings Mean Business, SiteMinder, BoxEver, Checkmate, Virtuoso, and Virgin Atlantic for making this Megatrends package possible. Let's start with some background about the annual forecast. What was the genesis for thought? So we've been doing these annual forecasts on the various trends in the travel industry for the last three years. We did in 2013, 2014, 2015, and this is by far the biggest package we do every year from a content perspective and certainly our most popular thing that we do every year. Uh, We bring together all the reporting and all the analysis and all the trends that we look at over the last year into a package that then looks at what is happening today in travel and what's going to happen over the next year. We call them the mega trends in travel. So this year we're back with 13 different mega trends in travel across all the sectors and uh, we will continue to cover a lot of these themes that we have in this package over the next year and I'm sure beyond as well. But we all know that trends don't operate in vacuum. Can you tell us about 2015 and how it set us up for the coming year? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we can't look forward to 2016 without looking back at what happened in 2015. I think one of the most important stories that isn't directly about travel, but which affects it greatly, is the migrant crisis uh, in Europe uh, that comes out of conflict in Iraq, Middle East, and Syria. Uh, that's affecting uh, security, safety, and how we think about movement. It's leading Europe to put up borders that they haven't had in decades, uh, and it's making people rethink uh, where they can go safely right now. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot of other things happening in travel, uh, or that happened in 2015, really important. Look at Expedia buying up all of its rivals. Um, we look at what's been happening in hospitality with some very, very large mergers, uh, whether it's Marriott buying Starwood or whether it's Accor um, gobbling up uh, Raffles and Fairmont uh, and other mergers that have taken place. So those have really kind of set the stage for the coming year and the trends that we will see playing out in 2016. 
So why don't we walk through all the mega trends for this year, starting with the number one trend. The travel industry is now ready for a 360-degree view of the traveler. Yeah, so this is our flagship trend for 2016. We have been tracking over the last year, two years, about the rise of big data and travel. Everybody talks about it. Everybody talks about personalization, but where does it all come together? One of the things we noticed at our Skiff Global Forum in 2015 was from the speakers, a lot of uh, frustration and trepidation of them not having a full 360 degree understanding of the traveler. The airline doesn't know the passenger that's sitting in their planes, what are they going to do next? What hotel are they staying at? What activities are they going to do and wherever they're going to? Same with hotels. They do not know which flight, which airline, in most cases, are, are their, are their um, customers coming from and potentially what will they do in the destination. So with the rise of big data and social media where consumers are leaving a lot of trails of their activities. It's now possible, the technology is now there, the CRM systems are now there for companies to be able to build a full 360 degree profile of the consumers. So that we think is an extremely, extremely powerful technological development that potentially allows travel brands to have a full understanding of the customers really for the first time since internet came along. So we think that's a very exciting development. I think there's lots of technologies that need to be developed still that will help us um, move towards a better understanding. There are obviously a lot of concerns from a privacy perspective uh, in terms of uh, exploiting, if that's the right term, uh, these profiles of the consumers that the travel brands then develop and then use to present to them the right offers at the right time. Mobile and in-market, which essentially means that when the consumers are in market, they're using their mobile phones, that then becomes a great platform for travel brands to address the consumers in the right ways if they have a full 360-degree understanding of the traveler. So we are very excited about uh, this big mega trend happening over the next year, two years, five years, and how the travel industry reacts to it. So Jason, why don't we talk about our second trend, which is the big turmoil and big hospitality. Well, last year, our big kind of lead mega trend uh, was talking about how the global hospitality sector, looking at both hotels and vacation rentals and sharing economy, was really driving all the innovation and travel. Um, and um, this year, looking forward to 2016, looking at turmoil that's happening in there, you know, you can't Innovation operates best when things are in turmoil, uh, when things are changing rapidly. And so we're going to actually see that take place a lot this year. Um, in, the, in the past year, we had the mergers, which we talked about a little earlier. Um, but we, this will be the year where they're really trying to adapt. Um, they, the hospitality industry was very slow 
to pick up on um, the growing challenge and threat posed by the vacation rentals, um, apartment sharing uh, that was out there. And they still don't have a clear understanding of whether this is eating into their share or whether it's tapping into a new market. Um, and that uncertainty is going to lead some to make great decisions and some to make bad decisions um, in the coming year. Um, I think we'll learn which mergers were smart and which mergers were not smart. Um, but I think we're also seeing companies try new and inventive things. We'll talk a bit more about uh, selling the consumer directly, but I think we look at what Accor did last year with bring on independent properties onto Accor.com to try to sell them. Um, could, would fall under the innovation uh, uh, label. Um, and then we'll also see about the hotels doing pushes with loyalty programs to try to own the customer more in the coming year and how well that works. I will just add that the fascinating changes that are happening in the alternative accommodation part of the world, of the hospitality industry, as you know, uh, Expedia bought HomeAway last year, which was a surprise, uh, not that uh, HomeAway selling was a surprise, but Expedia buying certainly was, and Airbnb now becoming such a big part of the conversation that uh, there's no doubts anymore that hotel industry is competing with the alternative accommodation industry. So how does it play out over the next year? I think over the next few years, that is going to be a huge part of the discussion and what Skift will be covering over the next few years. When I was talking to some analysts and some people in the industry when I was um, working on this piece, one of the things they mentioned is the possibility for an alternative service like Airbnb to eventually partner with hotels and to begin to work together as a distribution yeah, channel. Yeah, we've been covering it for a long time, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's interesting. I think also one thing hotel brands will have to watch out for is to not be the old person who doesn't understand young people technology and make a boneheaded move. I think of, when I think of boneheaded tech moves, I think of Yahoo buying Tumblr because I think there's cool young kids in a platform there as opposed to understanding their true business. So... The hotels that really understand their business and their consumers will be much better off than those that are trying to react to what they see as a threat. Um, the next trend we're looking at is the Bourdain effect. Food is now the leading hook in travel. So this is a trend that we have been tracking for the last few years. Food tourism as a trend has been, uh, has been playing out over the last few years. But food as a metacultural zeitgeist thing is now... Uh, in its full bloom, and not just in travel, but across all other sectors around the world. Uh, food has become the center of a lot of experiences, and in travel, it's now become the leading marketing hook for all types of brands in travel, across all sectors in travel, in hospitality, in airlines, in airports, in cruises, everywhere food is, one, it's improving, which is great if you think about airlines and airports. And then also, for the longest time, hospitality and hotels have outsourced food and beverage. There's a movement back where food and beverage in hotels is becoming a lot better. And then destinations obviously are using uh, their food and beverage uniqueness to market to the larger world. So we think that food is the last analog experience left as the rest of the world becomes digitized and then so it'll be the last common activity last communal activity left so that's why i think food as a marketing angle will continue to be played out 
over the next few years. I think one of the other attractions to it is it's something that stays with you um, long after you've left the destination, and you can be kind of re-inspired by you know, the idea of a crepe that you had in Paris, and you have it back home, and you're like, man, I want to go back to do that. You know, I think every time I eat a fish taco, I think about going back to Baja, California, and I think about you know, sitting in a beachside restaurant and how wonderful that was. And so you have these constant like, memory hooks, and it's you know, tied into sensory pleasure, and so you really don't have many things that can match that. You definitely can't match that with uh, the smell of Times Square or <laughs> something like that. And also you don't need to, I mean, I found in my travels, you don't need to speak the same language to enjoy an experience with someone and breaking bread with someone. Like it's a human connector. And like you're saying, it really brings back a memory. And there's so many places and so many points in my travels where food is definitely one of the main things that comes to mind when I think of certain places. So moving on to our next trend, our fourth trend, the direct booking wars are in full bloom. Um, you know, for, for me, this is one of the more interesting ones, and we're going to talk about a related trend a little later. Um, and I think it's interesting just because I, I sit next to our news editor, who's a real online booking nerd, uh, Dennis Schall, um, and he, he wrote a lot about this, this for us. But I think that we're seeing in travel brands' desire to own the experience with their consumers and with their shoppers, wanting to sell directly to them. Now, there's definitely a financial benefit to that. Marriott would much rather sell directly to me as opposed to giving Expedia a cut of the, uh, along the way. Um, airlines have kind of figured out the direct booking for a while, years ago when they cut uh, commissions to agents. Um, and so now that's why most of the online booking sites chase hotels, because that's where there still is money. But uh, especially in hospitality, they're seeing that properties are saying they don't necessarily want to go through the OTAs anymore. They want a better cut of it. And they also, as part of that, they it allows them to own the relationship with the consumer better. Um, if they are constantly selling directly to me, they know what type of guests they are. And my expectations coming into their property or using their product are more in line with what their product is in a way it's a, it's a it's a process by which they can guarantee they're getting the right kind of customer as opposed to the customer who's just loyal uh, to their wallet and wanting to save a little money. Um, and so we're going to see, even though there's been pushback both from travel agents and from online booking sites, um, we will see uh, travel brands working harder and harder to own that direct selling relationship to the consumer. What's needed here from a hotel perspective is more creativity and imagination on the type of perks that they're giving to their consumers that are booking directly with them so that that becomes an enticement for them to use the hotel site or app instead of going to an OTA. So I still think we're stuck in 1.0 stage of, of, that crea of, of imagining the type of perks and we will hopefully see a lot more of these type of new perks that hotels give to their, or new at least packaging to the perks that they give to their consumers so that they can then remember to continue to come back to the hotel directly instead of going to an OTA. Well, toward the end of the year, I worked on a story about Hilton. They didn't give too much detail, but they had um, negotiated with an OTA to get rid of things like last room availability for OTAs and um, preferential pricing for Hilton's loyal customers and, you know, what they negotiated, the, the main pillars of it, it sounded like it would be a big draw for people to become Hilton Honors members, which could be, you know, the creative aspect that you're talking about. 
Our fifth trend that we're talking about is the rise of fast casual design and travel. So this is a term, fast casual design, that we came up with. Uh, the phrase fast casual is not a new term. It's been uh, talked about a lot over the last few years in the restaurant industry, uh, where brands like Chipotle, probably the most well-known among uh, all of these that, that pioneered this trend, and then these days Shake Shack, uh, that essentially took deconstructed the restaurant experience and the ingredients and allowed people to put back those experiences together the way they wanted to and then order. That's that's what Chipotle essentially is. So that trend we're seeing permeating across from the restaurant industry to the sister industry, if you will, the travel industry, where uh, in an age of over-design uh, or, or, or too much overthinking of design, there's the simplification of the experience. Uh, which is what we call the fast, casual design and travel. So an example of that would be hotels like Element and Aloft, which are brands both from Starwood that have now applied this model to the hotel space. They're using these self-serve tools essentially to make sure that the things that you need are there if you need it, such as room service uh, or uh, food that's there in 24-7 in the kiosk downstairs. Um, and we're also seeing it in terms of the undesign of the rooms, such that the rooms become a lot more um, casual and home-like compared to the stuffy rooms that typically you would associate with some of the hotels as well. Uh, it's also coming across in, in other parts of the travel industry, whether at airports um, or even inside airlines as well. And we we hope to see the the this casualness and the simplification of design in a lot of travel experiences in the coming years. Yeah, and one of the things about this is that people just don't want to be reminded of the things that they would not want to pay for uh, in the world of big fees. So they come into a fancy Ritz-Carlton and they see a giant, um, a giant bouquet of flowers and you can start adding up the dollars in your head about how much that costs. For some consumers, that's great, but for a large swath of um, population, it seems like a frill that they don't want to pay for. And the import of all of this, we think of the fast casual design and travel is that the consumers like the simplicity of the a la carte and are only paying for things that demonstrate clear value for them. So let's get rid of the clutter. Our next trend is one I'm definitely really excited about. This is the year of the American traveler. You know, I, I felt I was a little worried about us including this because it seems very USA, USA. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it is a pretty good year to be a traveler from the US. Um, if you think about the value of the dollar right now, as opposed to what it's been over the last 10 years, you know, it's better right now against the yen, Brazilian real. It's even better against the British pound than it's been a long time. It's much better against the euro than it's been in a long time. Um, and that means your dollar goes further. On the domestic side, um, and also with consider a, aviation, even though airlines haven't passed along the savings yet, um, the, the price of oil means that, you know, you can take a road trip twice as far as you could have a few years ago, um, which is good news, especially since a lot of Americans travel um, within the three to four hours for their vacations, whether it's going down the shore or going to see relatives uh, for their vacations. So that's good news. Um, I think we've also seen uh, some of the visa walls come down uh, this summer. Brazil is making it so that Americans don't have to 
um, send in their passport and wait for a visa. Uh, they've they've taken away their reciprocal visa rules, um, so it's much much easier to go to Brazil now. Um, there are some um, some challenges, of course, um, as we talked about at the beginning. Unrest around the world. There's violence. You know, the attack in Turkey yesterday. Attack in Paris in December. Uh, it's not all sunshine and roses. Indonesia was today. At Jakarta today. Um, you know, it's there is unrest and there are concerns. Um, on the on the flip side, though. Those are isolated incidents, and I think also they open up the opportunity for people to go back to those destinations. Um, and then the last thing I'd talk, put on there is Cuba. Um, for the rest of the world, this isn't a big deal. For Americans, the idea of being able to go back to Cuba is pretty great. Um, and so, you know, we'll have carnival ships arriving there uh, by late spring. Um, that might not be great news to everybody, but it really signals a rapid change, um, and it's going to signal a change in the rest of the Caribbean economy as well. Um, so if you have a blue passport uh, from the United States to share, it's going to be pretty good for you. One of the things that hopefully this is obviously not just a year trend, this is a multi-year potentially, there's increasing consciousness from from employees and companies, especially some of the Vanguard tech companies, that employees need to, to take more time off to be better at their work when they come back, which means that there's a movement towards Americans being able to take more time off. It's early. It will be a while before we will be competing with Europeans and, and other countries in terms of the amount of vacations that we take. But at least there's a there's a potential movement there happening. The travel industry, I think, is still slow in encouraging Americans to travel more. And there's there's some movement from some industry associations. Mastercard is a brand that's been uh, marketing of 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 people taking more vacations. Some of the other brands as well. I think Expedia has been doing a new campaign as well. So we finally see this consciousness of why travel matters beyond just go travel. So hopefully that then translates into more Americans traveling domestically as well as internationally. It's interesting you raised the point about consciousness because it makes me think of, again, kind of when I was living abroad and traveling abroad, very rarely did I ever meet Americans traveling. It was always people from Europe and Australians and people from New Zealand. So, I mean, I do hope that the fact that the dollar is in our favor and like you're saying, um, you know, different companies and workforces around the country are, are starting to promote more time off. I do hope that that lends itself to more Americans getting out there and getting on the road, whether it is in the States and exploring our own country or beyond our borders. Moving on, the next term we're looking at is messaging is the new language of the globe. Are travel brands listening? So this is personally for me the most exciting trend change that's happening all around the world and in travel, we're still in very early stages of it. Messaging apps have completely taken over communication in the world. And I wish that was a hype, but it's not. Apps like WhatsApp, WeChat, Line, Snapchat, Facebook Messenger are essentially how people now communicate at leisure, at work, everywhere in the world. There are countries where people have stopped calling each other the countries where people have stopped putting phone numbers when they advertise, they're putting up WhatsApp and WeChat and other handles from messaging apps that they're using. So we think that we're in the early stages of travel brands adopting messaging as a one-to-one -one communication tool with travelers. 
we have we are seeing some tests that are happening. Hyatt is working with Facebook Messenger as a customer service tool. Uh, there are some other brands that are also trying it as well, especially in the hotel space. And we think that this will play out over the next few years. There's a layer of artificial intelligence that's also coming into play as well. So there are general messaging apps that are now mixing artificial intelligence to tackle the basic questions from consumers and then adding a human layer to it to 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 answer some of the more complex problems as well and some of these apps are general apps with a big travel component to it as well we're seeing some of the the startups in the travel space coming as well that are now beginning to offer these services directly to brands to adopt those checkmate which is one of the sponsors of this magazine is also marketing a service like this to hotels so i think there's going to be tons of activity like this especially because consumers are asking for it the one thing that's unclear yet is whether the booking transaction is going to happen in this environment. There is some early encouraging signs from China where WeChat has integrated a bunch of booking services in their messaging app, but we're not yet clear whether booking environment will come into messaging apps but certainly the customer service as well as travelers connecting to each other which obviously is a huge part of it um, it is coming into the messaging environment yeah i'd say for me the most interesting thing you touched on a bit is that we're seeing some innovation here and some startups here um anybody who's been watching travel startups for the last four or five years um it's been kind of boring kind of sad um, nobody's really trying anything new. People are trying to fix problems that don't need fixed. Um, I think we're going to see problems that people didn't know they had that actually are getting fixed. Uh, and that's going to be what's exciting for me. When I was traveling, to build on what you were saying in the beginning, Rafat, when I was traveling in Oman in the UAE, the only questions I was asked when people wanted to get into contact with me, it wasn't, what's your number? It was, do you have WhatsApp? And that was the way that everyone communicated, whether it was you know locals that I was meeting or if it was people who were organizing tours that I wanted to do. And there's definitely in the hotel space, there's definitely many companies that are testing it out as a form of communicating because everyone's so focused on being where their customer is and being where their consumer is, whether that's Facebook or that's WhatsApp or that's another form of messaging. So it's definitely interesting to see where it's going. Our next trend is build your own passenger experience is the future of flying. Um, this kind of gets... Back to something we discussed earlier about people not wanting to pay for things that they don't think they're using um, with the fast casual. Um, I think the the twist is we're kind of coming out of the period where people are constantly angry at the airlines for having to pay for things. I think that airlines had a very rocky period where they decided, hey, we'll drop fares a bit and then we'll strip out all the perks and we'll make you pay for every single one of them. There were certain perks that people liked and didn't mind paying for, and there are things that really, really ticked people off, uh, whether it was having to pay for water on board or losing snacks or just a general sense of complete uh, inconsideration for the consumer and the passenger, paying for bags, checked bags when airlines couldn't deliver bags on time. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is airlines are kind of building that back um, building trust back up with the user and selling them things that they want. I think JetBlue's been pretty good at that in 
giving you the free things. You know, you get those blue chips. Uh, you get some other things that kind of feel a little special, feel like they're thinking about you, or at least put some thought into it, um, as opposed to some old, crusty, famous Amos cookies. Um, and, um, and then selling you a special JetBlue-themed cocktail on board. Um, and so they're also getting you at the right points of purchase. So, you know, they're not stringing you along and surprising you at points. The ones who are doing it well aren't stringing you along and surprising you at points. They're selling you things when you want those things. Um, and I think that as airlines are relying upon ancillaries more and more to uh, increase their profits, they're going to come up with creative ways to sell us things that we want. So this builds a little bit upon a term that we popularized over the last year, hate selling, which this is hopefully the flip side of it, which is how do you upsell to the consumers in the right way instead of guilting them into buying things that they particularly don't want? Right. And I think um, this even goes back to direct booking, which we talked about earlier. I think if you go to American Airlines website or United website and you're buying the ticket from them, you see the fees laid out very clearly. Um, you now and then get some hate selling in there, but you also get a, a clarity that you don't get on a third-party booking site. Um, and if the travel providers can control that experience more, they can sell you the things that you might like as opposed to uh, surprising you with fees you didn't expect. So it sounds like there's a lot to look forward to in the coming year. Yes, and we haven't even covered all the trends that we've covered in our Megatrends magazine. There's a bunch of other exciting things that we are looking forward to over the next year. There's a trend on how video is now the new language of brand communication. And that's true for all sectors and in travel is playing out in a lot of interesting ways, especially we think in the hospitality sector as well. There's another mega trend that we have about smart cities are becoming platforms that other people are now building a lot of other services on top of. Uh, we've covered smart cities a lot over 2015, and uh, we expect to see a lot more developments over the next few years. Uh, there's another one on the on-demand economy, which is likes of Uber and other companies that are there, on how travel companies are now beginning to partner with a lot of these companies. Uh, Hilton has partnered with Uber in the past over the last year. Other companies are beginning to do that as well. Um, there's another trend where we talk about how the focus is now shifting from millennials to Gen Z. Gen Z is the, is the generation that's younger than millennials. Travel brands have focused a lot on millennials over the last few years. Gen Z are just now getting into uh, a stage where they can spend money for traveling. So there's a lot of movement on understanding the behavior of Gen Z and what that means in terms of a mindset writ large across all types of consumers. And then there's another last trend that we've talked about, which is how online booking sites are now competing with the distribution players that they have historically been friends with. So OTA is competing with meta search players. So there's a lot of movement there that we, we, will, we have covered over 2015 and we expect to see a lot of movement in 2016. TripAdvisor is a great example of it where uh, it used to be the distribution partner for a lot of OTAs and now it's, it's, it's a full-fledged OTA by itself even though that's not the term they would use. So we're excited about covering all these trends over the next year. Well, you heard it here first. There's a tremendous amount still to learn and to talk about with 2016. So if you want to download a copy of the report and see all the trends, you can do so on skift.com slash trend 16. 
Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll speak with you again next week.